Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist. And I'm Kate Hensler, developmental interventionist. How are you tonight, Laura? I'm better than you. (laughs) I was explaining. (laughs) I spent the weekend in Bloomington, Indiana, because my daughter, um, Laura, is on the, the IU Student Foundation, and their big job is to plan the Little 500 every year, and they do all the fundraising and everything involved. And so um, parents were invited, and my husband, Bill, and I went. It was great fun, but it was very cold and very wet. And then there's mandatory partying afterwards involved. So it was a long weekend. I was joking that even though I went to school there, I'd never attended the 500. And it took me nearly 50 years to make it. And now I know why, because it is exhausting. And unfortunately, well, and we it's, get great weather. So that and the weather, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime I think you're outside and it's cold and it's damp and oh, well, I'm glad well, you're there you for know, Laura, and since she's a senior too. Oh well, it's a, it's really an honor to be on the student yeah. foundation, the steering committee, and she's worked very hard all year long to to for this whole thing, and it was great to be there, but it was exhausting. So I'm looking forward to going back to work so I can get some rest because it was. Um, it was it was exhausting, but it was fun. So that's why I sound tired because I am. <laughs> well, hopefully you can hang in there for this hour. Oh, I'm gonna make it. I just know it. <laughs> good. I'll be fine. Good, good, good. All right. Well, this week we are continuing our series. This is show seven in building verbal imitation in toddlers and this information is from my new book which is on uh sale right now it's the pre-sale period so if you're listening it's april 22nd 2012 so if you are listening uh between now and the 29th you can still take advantage of that deal and it's i think you saved seven or eight dollars i'm terrible at math um buying it before it's officially released on May 1st. So I wanted to uh, plug that one more time. And then I also want to mention Therapy Tip of the Week. I finally got that up Saturday morning, and this week I did Cause and Effect Toys. I sent you that link, but I bet you haven't I had time to look it. at yeah, that. Yeah, I watched it. You did? And did After you figure out which two toys I got you for your <laughs> Did you figure out which two toys I got you for your birthday, which is well, next week? Well, I'm hoping I did because there were a couple that I particularly liked. So I don't want to say because I could be wrong, but I'm hoping I identified which one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I hope I get to see you this week and get those to you so that it will be an early birthday present instead of a late birthday present, which is the way it usually kind of works out, or maybe I'll pop them in the mail to be sure you really, really get them. There you go. Yeah, but I this afternoon, several people, or I guess over the last day, on uh, TeachMeToTalk.com's Facebook page, there's been a discussion, and there's always discussion about that pig toy that we have, that Counting Fun Piggy mm. from Fisher-Price. And someone bought the older version yeah. instead of, you know, the piggy bank kind of version. And so I put the link to the newer version on there. That toy always generates a stir, doesn't it, every time we talk about it? Well, it is weird because it what, it didn't really get mass marketed the way that the original, or what I consider the original, the, the one that's shaped like a pig and really like more like a bank, which right. I had and didn't love. Yeah, and I, think and I never bought it way. because you didn't oh. like it. Yeah, I mean it's okay, but right. I just had so many kids get stuck on the door, and they right. just—I don't know—it's not as doesn't quite demand as much from them, and um, I, it's just not as cool a toy somehow. But then when they came out with the replacement one, I remember you telling me about it, and then trying to find it, and I ended up finding it like a weird place, the J.C. Penney outlet. But, you know, it never seemed to make it to the big um, discount stores. I never saw it at Walmart. Right. I, never saw it at I haven't Target. seen it. Yeah. 
I think yeah, I saw it one time at Toys R Us, and I don't go to Toys R Us very much, but I saw it one time mm-hmm. there, and then I bought mine online at FisherPrice.com, mm-hmm. and so I posted the link on there today. And someone from, I think it's Jennifer from Ireland, said that she was looking for that toy uh, like online, like Amazon UK or something like that, and she couldn't find it. So I wanted to say that it's um, the link is posted if anyone is having difficulty finding that toy because it's a really cute version of um Yeah, somehow I can't toy. even identify really why it's so much better than the piggy. I, I think it is the those kids who tend to fixate on doors, and, you know, that includes a lot of kids on the spectrum. I mean, they just kind of get stuck on the door and well, just, I like it because it really is a cause and effect toy. I mean, you push, you put the coins in, and then you have to push the tail or you cannot get them out. No amount of shaking, no amount of pulling, and it's really a more advanced kind of cause and effect thing. Mm-hmm. Not your first easiest one. It's, it's Even though kids, and I introduce it right at the beginning, but they have to remember to push the tail and then it comes out the pig's mouth, and it has cute sound effects, not obnoxious sound effects like lots of toys that we use. So I just think it's a really, really cute toy. That's on there. And then my new favorite toy, the frog in the box. That hint, frog hint, is hint. adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that was one of them. I'm like, oh, that toy is adorable. Adorable. It is really fun. The kicker with that toy is that you, there's a there's kind of a technique to pushing the frog down so that it pops back up. And if you don't get the the little box that you have to depress all the way down, it, uh, it won't. The, yeah, it uh-huh. won't pop up. And it, but it's so fun. Kids have loved it. I've had a blast with that toy. And my grandchildren think it's pretty funny too. I had to put it away the first day I got it <laughs> because they were playing with that. Break it. <laughs> yeah, I was afraid. And then the other toy that's one of my new favorite toys is that the cute little pig and the dog that have the balls in their mouth and you yeah, push their cute. bellies. Yeah, hint, hint, hint. And you push their bellies. <laughs> oh, good. Those... I'm getting the ones I want. <laughs> <laughs> and those balls shoot really far across the room and they almost hurt when they hit you. So that's been fun even for older kids too. So. <laughs> Uh, well, and I have those other ball poppers that are, pop, you know, they're foam, yeah. kind of like a little yeah. gun thing, and then right. and they're cute, but they're not as cute as the dog and the pig. I mean, I like the I animal know. theme on those. Those are cute. They were cute. You can do a lot with that, especially with the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks. And last week we talked a lot about vocalizations like animal noises and uh, exclamatory words, uh, vocalizations of the week before last, and then exclamatory words. And so those animal sounds and all the silly words you can do with that. And so all of those toys, even though they're cause and effect toys, you can really work this theory that we've been discussing for forever, uh, this last series of shows. And so even, even if you're working on something else you can kind of see how you could interject those pre-word goals in there with vocalizations and exclamatory words so i think they're all really really cute ideas and i love how much um feedback i get from therapy tip of the week i'm so excited we started that this year that's been a lot of fun and apparently a lot of people like it so that's i'm glad we we stumbled upon that and i hope we can keep that one going I think it's really cute, and I enjoy it every time, even if I have the toys and even if I kind of do them. kind of reminds me. And I like this week, Laura, that you brought up the fact that a lot of dis- most all disciplines, it seems, we, we kind of overlook the whole cognitive component sometimes. We do. The importance of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's because it's probably the touchiest thing to actually talk about. I mean, it's one thing right. to say his fine motor skills are delayed, his... You know, receptive language skills are delayed. His whatever, and it, the buzz term of the of the day, and it has been for quite a while, is to refer to motor planning skills. And mm-hmm. um, and you know, I have an ongoing joke about the big motor because it's <laughs> cognition. It's it the brain. It's a joke, yeah. but because <laughs> right. so many times those things are referred to as motor planning. They have motor planning problems. And a lot of times what you see is, mm, I'm not so sure. And I liked in the video that you talked about the importance of them 
you know, watching the cars coming down and realizing and not getting stuck on that right. swirly track toy that you used mm-hmm. in the video. Because a lot of times that is what you see, and it's kind of like kids don't even really notice that the car right. legs are coming down as a result. And that's supposed to be what kind of motivates them to continue to engage with the toy. And sometimes it isn't. And I do think a lot of times it is cognitively. They really are not there yet. Right. And although that's a difficult thing to say to a parent, I think it's very important that therapists realize and appreciate that's really what it is. You know, so it is what it is, and I don't think we talk about it enough, and I don't think we, and we don't spend enough time talking about it too, with families that you would think would already know that, with children who have mm-hmm. significant medical issues and who who might have things like seizure disorders or syndromes that are pretty rare, or um, you know they've they've had trachs for a long time, or you know just or they were tube fed and then I'll get letters from a parent and they'll say well you know he's tube fed for three years but he's still not talking and you want to say okay somebody besides me should have had this conversation with you a long time ago and not that feeding goes you know that uh, that you would necessarily have that but if, the, if a parent tells me he's still not walking he's been tube fed you know he's had seizures he's had all of these medical things and then they still are wondering when those first words are going to happen when all of those milestones before the first words haven't happened yet you you know it just kind of makes you wonder who didn't have that conversation with you and i think it's just so important that we talk about cognition and how it drives everything and how important it is and it's it's a missing link that until you really have those foundations established there a kid is not ready to talk. He's just not ready. And explaining that is hard, but I think you have to do it so that everything that you do with a kid makes sense and it's relevant and so that a parent isn't sitting there, you know, patting their foot like, let's get on with it. Yeah, when are are you going to make them talk? Yeah, and when they don't understand, he doesn't understand a thing you're saying. He doesn't get these really basic cognitive milestones. The three that I really look at and talk about all the time are object permanence, cause and effect, and simple problem solving. And in typical development, those come in before a child is 12 months old, actually really more like nine or ten months in a typically developing kid. And so... If you if you have a kid that's not there yet, you know he's not ready to talk. And it is amazing the number of therapists who will refer a child for a speech-language assessment. And that's fine that speech pathologists work on that. That's great. You know, if you don't know how to do it, boy, if i got a book for you, I can teach you how to work on it. But there should be some discussion with people that are on the team, with the developmental interventions, the OT, the PT, to a mom that, you know, gosh, we've got a long way to go before languages is a really realistic goal for him. He is not ready to talk yet because he's got to meet all these other things. And I do think it's something that we don't emphasize nearly enough. So I hope that my information will fill the gap in with that, even if it's something like a little 10-minute therapy tip of the week to jog a therapist's memory with all that theory and all that knowledge of typical development. You know, you've got to lay the foundation. Kids have to master those things before they're really ready to move on to higher-level skills, and language is a higher-level skill. Talking is a higher-level skill for a toddler. So I want to be sure that we're getting that message out there. And there's a great chapter about that in Teach Me to Talk, the therapy manual, if a therapist is listening and still not quite sure how to work on that, you know that you've got a knowledge gap there uh, in your own background. So that would be a great, great resource. Okay, it looks like we have a caller, but it looks like they may have purposely muted themselves. So I'm going to pop on their line and see if they want to ask a question. And if we don't get a response, we'll know that they're just here to listen. Okay. Hi, caller. Are you there? Hello. 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 Hello, Laura. Hi, it's Laura. Yeah, it's Laura and Kate. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Do you have a question? Um, Yes, I do. Um, oh, good. I'm Lett, and I'm calling from Denver. And um, I actually had written a very long email on your website, and I didn't post. And then I said, well, I'll listen for the radio show. And then, of course, now my little one 
is taking his nap, which is longer than usual, and I know he's going to wake up <laughs> in the middle of this. Talk, let me just interject fact. something. Let me let me interject something really quickly. When you leave a comment on the website, we have to approve that or moderate that, and I don't always get that done. Um, you know, because if we don't moderate, if we don't have to approve that, the website is overrun with uh, spam, like ads or you know pornography or you know just anything like that. You would not believe. Probably every day we get three or four hundred spam comments or comments that aren't appropriate for the website, and so I have to go through them one by one and either say approve or disapprove. And so that's why sometimes it takes. Uh, several days for a comment to appear because I don't, I'm not always right by the computer ready to do that. Um, so that's that's why we do that at the beginning. Kate, I don't know if you remember the beginning of the website when I didn't realize that all those things just automatically posted. Do you remember that day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember a conversation we had when you said, "What is all that stuff?" And I was like, "I don't know what it is." <laughs> so that's why the comments have to be approved. So. That's the explanation for that. So, okay, yeah, I okay, understand. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. What I'm kind of curious. I'm trying to figure out um, which additional material I should purchase. Um, my son will be two next Monday, and uh-huh. he has no words. Um, uh-huh. He was born prematurely um, uh-huh. at 33 weeks. Two pounds, seven ounces. Oh, so it's little. Yeah, and this is actually the biggest delay that he's ever had. I mean, he's been pretty um, good meeting his milestone two to three months uh-huh. behind, although uh-huh. he did have some feeding problems right. and may have some sensitivity around his mouth. Um, once I got over all of the, the guilt of, you know, feeling like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do because he's He's been um, early intervention since birth, um, but I'm a first-time mom and a single mom, and I, th- I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. And once you get the email, you'll figure out, like, all these different things that I had to go through. Um, but So I already have the Teach Me to Talk manual and the lesson, Listen to Obey first and second. Uh-huh. Um, and so now I'm at the point where I think that the building verbal imitations is what he needs. Uh-huh. But I'm just not sure because after reading all of your materials, I started, I sing to him a lot, and so I decided to start singing the scale of Do Re, Do, Re, Mi because uh-huh. they were very short. And once I started doing that, he really starts to look at my mouth, uh-huh. and he's trying to say it, but his tongue is all over the place. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. Like, well, I think he's trying to talk, and I'm sharing this with his speech therapist and his physical therapist. Um, from the beginning, I've always had things done together at least right. once on his sessions because I wanted a global approach for his development. Right. So I'm just at the point where I don't know exactly what he needs. He hasn't been evaluated um, yet for autism and apraxia and all those different things, but that will be right. coming. What does his speech therapist say about him? What, what does she What does she say about him? Why, why does she think that he's not talking yet? Um, we figured out that his his expressive has got a twelve month delay. So I'm thinking I don't think it's much lower than that. And I started realizing I think his receptive is way behind. Okay, at nine months. Yeah. And so this is just Well, ding, 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 week. we have a winner, as Kate and I would say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because when you have receptive language delays, when you don't understand words, when words still don't really mean that much yet, you're really, you're at the level where developmentally you're not quite there yet. You're just not quite ready to talk yet. And so I think it's great that he started to imitate the do-re-mi. So he, to me, sounds like he's back there, you know, at about, a, a little under that 12-month level where he's starting to pay attention to sounds and starting to know, gosh, I should say what Mommy says to me. And and I love that you're doing it in the context of making it simple and fun and all those things that we've talked about. With Have you been listening to the podcast series with how we've started out talking about 
children learning to imitate actions. Did you listen to that show? No, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Will he copy an action if you guys are playing? If you if you say close the door on a barn or if you, you know, knock on the barn door or if you push a car or if you pretend to make an animal eat or, you know, will any will he copy actions in play with you yet? Um yes, and I just started doing that with him. Um, Good. He has me confused because there are certain things that he does like if We've been telling him close the door, and he's been doing that since he learned how to walk around six uh-huh. months. Yeah, but it's like body parts—that is it's like mm, I don't know. But then again, I didn't know that that was something I should have been doing. So I'm trying to shore up all these different steps and just trying to make yeah. sure he's looking on. But he will kind of copy, and we were doing that yesterday and taking the stuffed animal. I would kiss it, and then he would take it, and he would kiss the. Teddy bear. So he's starting, you know, to do, and it's something that I'm focused on now. Yeah, I think that what you should do, and I do think he's ready for this stuff in this new book. And you are certainly welcome to order the new book. But what I want you to do before then is go back and listen to the this little series of shows that we've done, and every show talks about a different level or a different phase in helping him learn how to imitate. And so if he has mastered actions, you're going to move on to that next level, which is imitating gestures and even signs. Now, is he doing some signing with your, um, are you guys doing signs in speech? No. We um, probably say since he was about nine months, sometimes he would do it, sometimes he wouldn't. But now it's gotten to a point where, He's very frustrated when we try to do more. And yeah. so we recently worked on pointing, um, just getting him to be able to form his fingers to do that and doing the right. putting a sticker on the ball. Right. And so now I've accepted that as his ability to tell me I want this or I want right. more of that. Yeah, and you should reward that because that's where he is developmentally, and you want him using those really functional gestures. What about things like clapping? Will he clap when you clap? Oh, yes. He's very into self-affirmation as well. <laughs> He's had a lot of therapy, hasn't he? Will he? Does he wave? Does he wave he for you, wave bye-bye? He does. He does? He used to wave bye-bye, um, I would say probably around 15 months or so. Um, but now he has replaced that with a laugh. Okay. Does he do any other gestures beyond that sort of starting to point or clapping? Any other things that he's doing? Is he doing any other little hand motions during songs or any other little made-up sign that you know what he means when he holds his hand a certain way or when he does something? No. Okay. So, again, ding, 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 we have a winner. Level two, (laughs) those are the things that he's not yet really doing. When you get the book, work on level two and go back and listen to the show. I'm trying to figure out without cutting you all off where, what show that would be. Maybe Johnny can find that for us and I can give you the date that that aired. Boy, Um, we've had some gaps, so it's going to be a while ago. But Yeah. Yeah, hmm. and so maybe he can do that. Honey, do you think you can look up on Blog Talk Radio and we can figure that out? I want to know what when Level 2 was, the second show we did, and I want to know the date for that so I can tell her what the show number is. So you can go back and listen to that show and get some good ideas for that. Now, that being said, you can cheat a little bit and introduce some of these other little things that you're trying to do, like your vocalizations, mm-hmm. like you're doing your do-re-me and that probably would be more along a social routine for him with him imitating those kinds of things. The past couple of weeks we've talked about animal sounds and car and truck noises and little words like uh-oh and yay and those kinds of things. How's he doing with with those sorts of things? Will he imitate any of that yet? Well, yay comes with the clapping. And right. I noticed that he he has primarily been doing the Bs, Ms, and Gs. Um, uh-huh. for about, yeah. about six months, and so I started trying to get him to say, uh-oh, and uh-huh. um, woo-hoo, uh-huh. and we aren't there yet, and he knows okay. that I'm doing something different, but 
but not, not quite there yet. Yeah. yeah. So looking at kind of where he is, you kind of want to meet him where he is, and he is successful with doing some of those early gestures, and he is starting to understand pointing, so that's where you want to work with him is at that level. Other things that are just a step above that but not quite too saying yay or um, uh uh-oh or even animal sounds, those sorts of things, or anything, any kind of facial expression that he would imitate with you or anything that he might start doing with his face and with his mouth. And if he's watching your mouth more, that's a little readiness sign that he's telling you, gosh, I'm noticing what you're doing right there, you know, more than I ever have. So that's another thing that you could do is kind of take a look at those activities in Level 3. And those shows probably were in early March. Johnny hasn't been able to find it yet. But I think it around March 11th and then the next week after that on March 18th. So if what numbers were those? Okay, but what number, like 140? 140, show 148 and 149. I want you to go back and listen to those Mm -hmm. for those ideas because that's where I think you should be working with him. In addition to the stuff you're still doing with receptive language because he's got to understand words before he's able to use those. Mm -hmm. So still keep plugging away there too because it all goes together. You know, but a lot of times, little guys like this, and Kate, I think you'll agree, we've worked with a lot of premature kids that at two, look like completely different children by three when we're looking at their language. Don't you think, Kate? Yeah, very commonly. It's pretty common for communication to be the area that they kind of struggle with the most. And so don't let that really discourage you. And he can cover a lot of ground between the second birthday and the third birthday with language. And I love that you already have had early intervention going this long and that you are such a great mom and on the ball and buying books and DVDs and listening to shows. Um, You know, you sound like you're just doing a great job with that. And it can be very discouraging when you don't see rapid progress. But that doesn't mean that you don't keep trying and just pouring it in there so that you'll start to see some success down the road. But a lot of premature kids at two, I'll look at them and go, oh, my gosh, he's so far behind. And then by three, they've they've made a lot of progress. He may not still be completely caught up by then, but this is the time where where I think you start to see, if you're doing the right things, you'll start Mm -hmm. to see him make a lot of progress, 24, 27, you know, 30 months. You should start to see a lot of leeway there. If not, you may want to find a therapist who would be a little bit more aggressive. And, again, your therapist may be wonderful. I don't know her. This is a completely objective um, recommendation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you'll just want to be sure that you're working with someone that wants to get it in gear and get it going like you do. Well, I've been lucky. I mean, I was definitely probably your parent that you've met before that just kind of observed sessions. And uh-huh. I didn't realize that you guys weren't there to just fix him and that the right. therapist was really for me so that right. I could work with him. <laughs> and so since we were so focused on he's motor-driven, he wanted to walk, right. walk would come later. And then right. I, thought, I was like, you know, something's not right and something was you know, just nagging at me. There's something that you need to do that you need to figure out. So we're just... I'm there now, and so I'm just Good. You know, really pushing this because I know he's going to turn three, and right. I'm afraid that I will lose the control and my input right. in therapy once he's in the public school system. So, and you're and right you about will, that to a large degree. Yes, you're yeah. not exactly <laughs> right about that. <laughs> So uh-huh. this is the time to really dig in and really commit and really decide this is a priority for me. And I know it's harder, too, because you're a single mom. And so just finding the time to work that in and decide what you're going to do. Now, if you have the therapy manual, then you have pretty much have a written plan for the goals that you would be working on and how to do that. Now, is that as easy for you to follow? Are you a reader? I mean, is that is that? Uh, an, oh, yeah, it's already highlighted okay. and passed. Okay. And- <laughs> 
I was going to say, if not, I'm going to sit down after the show and find the page you need to be on and email you, and I might do that anyway. So why don't you send me an email at laura at teachmetotalk.com, and don't go through the website. Just send it directly there. Okay. And we'll chat some more, and I'll tell you, look on page blah, blah, and do this, and then skip over to page whatever and try this, and that might give you some additional stuff that you could do at home, too. Okay, But, General Laura, I think that when she starts to follow those levels and, and more specifically targets those those skills that fall into each level, she'll see it, it's not necessarily going to be the talking progress that you want immediately, but I think that it does give you short, more short-term goals that you'll successfully meet and right. you'll engage him more fully because he'll be successful too and so you'll ultimately you'll get to talking faster even if that's not the short-term goal. I mean, I know it's the long-term goal and you'll get there, but using those levels I think really, really, really helps everybody realize, okay, we really have made progress. He's not singing, you know, a song yet, but look at the things he now responds to that he didn't respond to a few months ago. And I think that for a lot of kids, particularly kids with, oh, you know, a difficult beginning as he had, um, you absolutely need those short-term goals to, to make the ultimate goal successfully, you know, to say, okay, well, now he's talking, but you just can't go from where he is to talking without filling in all those gaps. Right. And it helps you really realize what those gaps are and what you can do to fill them in. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And you know what? For calling, I'm going to send you that book for free. And I never give books away. So this is the day for you to call. I give away DVDs left to write, but not the book. So you email me and tell me that you're the caller. And I will send that to you for free to thank you for calling. And then um, I do want to email you back and forth, though, and ask you a few more questions and, and really point you in the right direction so that you make sure that you're doing at home what you should be doing to supplement the great therapy that you're getting. Okay, well, thank you so much. I've been wondering, when is she going to write, teach my mom to stop crying so she can learn to play with me? (laughs) 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 So much better now. (laughs) That can be your therapy tip of the week for next week. How to stop... See, I still struggle with that, too, so I'm not going to be able to give that tip. So there you go. (laughs) Thank you so much for calling, though, and I hope we've given you some ideas. Go back and listen to those shows and then email me, and I'm going to send you that book, too. Okay, great. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh, that was fun. That was a cute one. Well, and I do think for so many kids, and, Laura, I know you are always cautious about not, oh, stepping on other people's toes. But as somebody who's in the trenches, I just don't hear a lot of people talking about these sort of things. I just don't think that it's commonly explained to parents in these terms and that, uh, you know, therapists are always aware of of that knowledge base in the first place and certainly not of sharing it. And I do think, just as you were talking about earlier with the kids who were very impaired in cognitive ways or in, you know, gross global ways, when you don't somehow get around to saying it, it doesn't really explain to parents, look, we really do have a lot of ground to cover, and these things, although we get and we understand, and we really basically agree that the talking is what we all want and it's our end goal, and, gee, that you know, we totally realize why parents fixate on that, but if you don't fill in the gaps, Mm, you're not going to get there anytime mm-hmm. soon. Anytime and the gaps soon. Are, yeah, you know, the gaps are not necessarily what parents recognize as being so important, but once they do, then they begin to work on them. You know what right. I mean? That's and then the kid the, gets better. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> it, it, yeah. it's got to be something that's really kind of spelled out for right. Uh, for parents, and um, I think nine times out of ten, once they hear it and they really get it, they say, okay, that's why I need to teach them ride a little horsey or patty cake or to wave bye-bye or to 
you know, whatever, fill in the gap, all those things that really mm-hmm. precede talking, but kids don't sometimes have that those foundational skills, and until they do, they're probably not going to talk anytime soon. Exactly. And this little guy, too, sounds like he's got some splinter skills. Right. But um, they need to go back and fill in some of that foundation stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that the book will help point mom and his speech therapist in the right direction. And it could be that the therapist is working on some of this, but as you said, is not talking about it clearly enough. Right. Saying, this is where we need to be, and this is why we need to be here. And sometimes I think therapists have kind of a shotgun approach with we're just going to work on everything and see what sticks, and that doesn't always work. And so I hope that uh, building verbal imitation in toddlers will help people really pull it way back and work on a level where a kid can be successful and that it's really sequential and that it makes sense to therapists so that they can explain it to parents and implement it in a different way. And so I'm hoping it'll it'll do that for lots and lots of families, so we'll see. And she sounds like a mom who's really, really trying. Boy, she's already bought a lot of stuff and has right. implemented a lot of stuff. She didn't say she had to teach me to talk, though, so I think I'm going to throw that in there, too. So she uh, Well, you better make sure you know that whoever emails you is her because you're being very <laughs> generous today. <laughs> I know. We're probably going to get some people dialing right now. Ooh, yeah, that was me. That was she's me. giving away all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's funny. Well, you know what? I have to say, and I've been your student for many years now, so to me, yes, it is obvious, but had I not been your personal private student for so many years, I can certainly see why parents don't understand that those things have to come before. It's not obvious to even an educated person why a kid has to do these things. Why is that even related? People tend to think of talking as, this completely separate skill, almost like that's magic. Yeah, right. Is that's that what somehow you're say? divorced from all those other communicative things right. that always, always, always precede talking. Precede it. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. not the way it's really explained or even taught. And I think that right. your average person just it just doesn't seem obvious, and I see why it doesn't. It you know I but, can too because a lot of therapists miss it as well. Right, <laughs> they do. It's yeah. the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I totally get why parents miss it. And so when I'm saying how did they not know, I'm not really talking about the parents. I'm saying why didn't that therapist or the team or the physician or someone say, Mom, you realize because he has he's has all these issues, all of these medical issues, that certainly talking is way down the road. Because mm-hmm. developmentally he is he is nowhere near where he needs to be to talk, and I I know that's a difficult conversation to have with parents, and I struggle to have that conversation too. But we have to do it. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. And we have to figure out what makes sense for us to say and what we feel comfortable with. And I think some therapists, the truth is, they don't really know the milestones and the 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 acquisition order that they should they don't apply it you know they don't really they don't they don't use that information like they should and realize that if you're scoring a kid down at the three-month level at the six-month level we'll do three-month and six-month-old babies talk no and neither is this kid because that's just where he is right and so a lot of times that's just, again, you would think that someone would make that connection, even a therapist, but we all know that doesn't happen because we work on teams with people that we've had that unfortunate event happen where a mom hasn't been given information. Or sometimes I think a therapist just thinks she said it, but she hasn't said it clearly enough, saying a thing like he's globally delayed. That mm-hmm. means squat to most parents. I mean, they don't get what you're talking about. Right. They don't understand well, and I think the a lot of like times, that. especially with a little guy like she, like her little boy, sounds like she, he was in therapy from day one. He's had right. a lot of delays. Started with gross motor. They probably had PT and OT. I'm mm-hmm. guessing, but a lot of times yeah. that, you know, and those those disciplines um, tend to be pretty discipline specific. A lot of times, not always. Mm-hmm. There are certain right. therapists who who branch out and do things that are. Uh, necessary for communication, and they target receptive language skills. And 
but not always and sometimes. And what happens is a kid is like, just like her little boy, almost two, and somebody says, hey, he's not talking yet, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, like we it's a big surprise. To, yeah. yeah, we need to get him talking. Um, and she's had speech for a while, so I'm sure that that hasn't been exactly that case. Right, but it does right. happen that yeah. once that, you know, the gross motor stuff comes along, the fine motor stuff comes along, and there he is, you know, things have made progress, but the whole communication piece is almost always the last piece to come mm-hmm. in. It's just That's why I started saying speech is a higher level skill. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at early intervention, talking comes last with most, I mean, not every kid, but you have to get all those foundation pieces in there and, you know, really get them to understand words and really get that cognitive piece going and really get those gestures going and really get that social engagement going and really get that intent there and get that receptive language coming along. And then they talk. So it's so important. So I'm so glad she called, and I hope that I can help give her some confidence about what she's working on at home and help her really uh, be more know exactly where he needs to work and get more laser-like focus on that because when the things that we measure and the things that we that we really work on it's amazing how when we work on the right things and they start to get better you know it falls in a place a lot easier than if you're just you know doing that willy-nilly shotgun let me just model 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 words and see if by chance one day he might sort of kind of say what i said right well, and it's yep. so much more motivating for both the child and the person working with them because then they can say, wow, look at this. And it did sound like, I wanted to just reiterate, you talked about he kind of sounded like he maybe had some splinter skills. And that right. seems to be very common for a lot of these kids. They might mm-hmm. be able to do one little thing. And I think sometimes if if we all spend a little time kind of branching out and giving, you know, we you've talked to this about this, Laura, as we've gone through the levels that, Sometimes it's like, okay, they've got one, move on. And yeah. it really helps to kind of stay there and expand right. on those skills and right. get a nice variety of those same types of things um, because then they really have the foundation to move on instead right. of just having one little thing and then poop, up to the next level because right. they really aren't really there yet. They need to right. have a nice, strong, you know, broad level of success at each level exactly. and then yeah and then really there, and, so. and that's what I do too if I have a kid that I've that even I've screwed up and thought oh gosh she's saying a couple little words but then I realized boy she really isn't imitating much of anything else what should I do and she might be a good signer and I mm-hmm. think boy there's two or three little levels in there that I haven't really worked on Back it up. Let's work on that. And sometimes it's amazing. It just takes a few little sessions to build those skills in and get mom and dad working on the right stuff. And then we take another big leap forward. So Mm -hmm. I like the book in that it's organized that you don't have to really sit and think, okay, what would be some other things that I could work on that would be similar to this? It's all laid out right there. I love the charts. I'm a chart, hands-on person. Um, I hope that therapists will be able to copy the charts, and if they're like me, they're going to be, you know, laminate them so that they withstand the spills from the Diet Coke going through the drive through or the kids that, you know, mouth them or whatever so that they really use it and can really have their little cheat sheets there so that they don't have to think it's hard and can help kids uh, build in lots of the same kinds of little skills at a certain level, and then they're ready to move forward. So I hope it's going to be that kind of tool. We'll see. We'll see. I just see really using it with parents to say, here's a copy yeah. for you, you know, so right. they have something concrete to refer to, too. Because yeah, like here's said, your homework. It's obvious to most people. Right, right. Here's your homework. And I've had parents, too, that I'll say, uh, what animal sounds can he do? And they'll say, well, he can do a dog. And I'll say, what else? And they'll sit there. And it's almost like they're thinking, okay, I don't even know another animal sound. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Haven't you had that happen before? Yeah. Or where, where you're, you're talking about what we talked about last week, exclamatory words. And you'll say, you know, words like yay and uh-oh. And then that's all I'll hear mom say because she can't really think of what other words would be like that. <laughs> 
So the lists are there so that you so that it makes it easier. So that you can just you know, again, it's not really a cookbook, but it takes a lot of that guesswork out. So anyway, all right, let's get cranking on what we're supposed to be talking about tonight, which is level six, and it's imitating automatic speech during verbal routines. And verbal routines really can be little songs that you sing at the same time or different words that you say at the same time, the same set of events, the same circumstances, and we all do this when we play with children, even when we're not meaning to. Usually if we're ready to start a race, if we were going to run or if we were going to do something where both of us are doing it at the same time, if we were going to race cars, almost any adult I know would say, ready, set, go. That's a verbal routine. Counting before we begin something, one, two, three, that's a verbal routine. Any little thing, like when you clean out the toys and you sing the Barney song for the seventh, seventh 700th time of the day, that's a verbal routine. Last week you shared your own cute little routine that you do when you play. We were talking about therapy tip of the week, and I showed toys with keys, and you taught us your verbal routine for that, which is singing your key song. And so building those things in with children are so with language delays are so important because when you say the same things or when you sing the same words over and over and over, that child's brain begins to expect that word to be there automatically. That's why we call it automatic speech. It's something that you don't really even think about, and you can hear a word pop out of a toddler's mouth that you've done a really good job of establishing a verbal routine almost before they even mean to say it. It almost looks like it kind of surprises them sometimes when it happens. When you really set it up and you've modeled and modeled and modeled and done the same exact said the same exact words over and over again. And I have lots of verbal routines that I use. Kate, I'm sure that you do too. There's a ton of them in the new book. There's a lot of them in Teach Me to Talk, the therapy manual. The whole book of Teach Me to Play with You <laughs> is uh, verbal routines that you can use with kids. This uh, Other examples would be when you're when you're playing with the farm set, if you start, if you break out into Old MacDonald had a farm, that's a verbal routine. When you're holding up the animals and singing, singing those animal sounds and singing that little song, that's something that you probably do from you know every time you play with the farm animals with a particular kid. So again, that would be a verbal routine. If you're a mom and you're at home and you always say the same little thing like. Um, if you're when you're changing the kid's diaper, if you have a certain little script that you launch into, or if you say something like, "Oh, Daddy's home, let's run, 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 run to the door," or what anything like that that you say at the same time every day, that's a verbal routine, and it's so important that we build those into the to play sessions with toddlers and into their daily events at home, so that they begin to understand that language and expect those words to be there, and eventually say those words to uh, fill in what should come next. All right, do you think I've talked about, introduced that enough so that people understand what that means? I believe you have. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other, that's just ones that I do standard. Certainly Ready, Set, Go is a, a winner a for me. One. I use it yeah. constantly. Another one I use a lot is um, calling things. You know, if we're playing with people or we're playing with animals, I'll be saying, cow, where are you? I use Mm -hmm. it a lot. I think I I like it because it gives me the opportunity to label, 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 label over and over and over again and then point out to them, oh, it's the cow, look, cow. But um, kids seem to really like that. And they'll they'll get some form of where are you? You know, <laughs> trying Even to say it. Even if it's yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, there it is. They get it. Yeah, they seem to really. And it's funny once they get that, they really implement it a lot and use it with all kinds of things. And parents will say, mm-hmm. he's constantly calling things just the way you do. <laughs> like that's a good thing. That's what that we worked. Want. Yeah. yeah. 
Other um, things that I do, if I'm making, if I'm playing with a little playground set or even with the car and it's going up the garage or the ramp or the side of the couch, whatever we're doing, I say up, 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 and then whee as the car rolls down the ramp or slide, if, if it's a little plastic character as the character slides down the slide. If I'm playing with... Um, a barn or that little house with keys that I had on last week's therapy tip of the week, I do up, 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 and then make the character or animal jump off and do or do one, two, three, jump down. And, again, kids, once you've done that and you've played that over and over and over, you start to hear the ah down for the jump Mm -hmm. down. They really do start to fill those words in. And once you hear a word in a verbal routine, then you you have a foundation to be able to use that word in the next level, which is really imitating more functional words. But for a lot of our kids, they have to get it in the context of a particular play routine or set of circumstances well before they're just able to imitate it. Uh, on command like that. It has to be worked into their routine, and, again, it almost has to be before they even expect that they can say it, it just pops out. But you've got to do such a good job of setting it up and saying it over and over and over and over so that the child really learns it and begins to expect the word to be there. Up is a great one. I forgot. Some things I do do so automatically I don't even think about it, but up. And so many kids will do uh, 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 and really they're doing up, 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 but they right. don't have a P, so it's just uh, uh, uh. Right, and so you've got to listen to to see yeah. if they're, in, even if it's a different babble, even if they're doing ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, I think, oh, uh, there it is. You just don't yeah. have a great, oh, uh, yeah. You know, you have to really, really listen. If the intonation is there and the prosody is there, and that means the melody You'll know, oh my goodness, he's trying to say it. He may not have the right consonant or vowel in there, but look, he's making progress. He's really, really trying. So you have to do that careful listening for that. Uh, One thing that I do that I've uh, done, demonstrated on the DVDs, and I talk about it in uh, Teach Me to Talk, the therapy manuals, because all of my toys are in Ziploc bags. I have a child say or sign open, and then as they're zipping the bag, I say Zip, and that's not really a functional word <laughs> for a lot of materials. I mean, you don't see that on early vocabulary list, but almost every kid on my caseload, that's one of their early first words because I say it over and over and over and over in sessions, and it's associated with that little action that we do to open, open and close those darn Ziploc bags for every toy that we use. So that's certainly an established verbal routine that that I do a lot. And, again, it's something that I don't even think about. It's just part of the session. It's just part of something I do. And I talk to parents about that. In the wintertime, it's easier for them to work on that with a kid's coat. And I'll have a lot of parents say, gosh, now he says zip every morning when I'm zipping his coat because you say that with, with your bags. So when you're hearing these words in verbal routines, be sure that you're talking with moms and dads about how to incorporate that into their daily routine so that it's not just something that they say during speech therapy or during developmental therapy so that um, it, again, becomes more automatic and they're using it all week long. So that would be something that's important to talk about. What other routines do you do, Kate? Did you think about that this week a little bit while you were playing? Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't thought about that since 7.05 last Sunday, have you? (laughs) No, probably not. Um, You know, I didn't even think about zip, and I use zip all day, and I can't tell you how many kids say zip with me early on. A lot of times it's the first thing. There's something very intriguing about that word zip. Right. Um, Another... Another one I do, while you're thinking, I love that flat ball. And, again, that toy is spelled P-H-L-A-T, and it's a ball that compresses. It goes all the way flat when you push the top of it down on the floor. And if you've seen, again, the uh, Teach Me to Talk DVD, and I think it's probably in the Apraxia one, too. It may even be in Listen and Obey 
too as well. But anyway, in those DVDs, I push that ball down. I'm usually, I present the toy and say ball, and then we say push as we're pushing it down, and then I pat my legs and say wait, 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 while we're waiting for the ball to pop, and then I say pop. So many kids over the years Wait is a word that they'll start to say, or I'll see them really pat their legs while we're doing that little routine. And, again, that's a gesture that's all the way back at level two. They're imitating that that gesture with me, and it really means something in the context of that um, play routine. And so, again, you'll start to build Build the verbal routine, even if the kid's not ready to say the wait, wait, wait part. If he's patting his legs, I think, boy, I've got you. <laughs> you were imitating <laughs> me. That word's going to come eventually. <laughs> yeah. And so you want to build these things in. And what I talk to therapists about in my conferences is really taking the time to look at the toys that you use or if you're in one of those programs that they don't want you to really take toys, to really think about, okay, what are toys that are really common in a home and how can I build a verbal routine around that? What do I say every time I play with the bubbles? What do I say every time I play with my, you know, whatever toy? And you need to get so consistent and so predictable with what you say so that it turns into a verbal routine. And I'm pretty predictable about this now. And several years, you know, 10 years ago, 8 years ago, when I really started to think about this stuff and think, what is it that I'm doing that really, really works? That's something that I consciously made myself think about, is what am I saying? What do I do? How consistent am I? And when you really put that monkey on your back... And you do, you give the input to the kid that you need to give, eventually you do hear those words. And I know that's probably a conversation we had in the on the phone, you know, ten years ago. You know, what do you say when you play with that toy? <laughs> what are you what's your little routine with that toy? And it's it's really, really important that as therapists we think about that and that we become really predictable and really consistent with our words. Uh, and it helps so much with receptive language, too. It helps our little guys who aren't understanding really link meaning with words. And, you know, again, that's something you're working on automatically, and then you hear the word eventually. Laura, I use your um, where, oh, where, oh, where is fill in the blank with mm-hmm. lots Elmo. of Elmo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can do that little song. That song is in Teach Me to Play With You, but you can do that with everything. You can do it with when you're playing one-on-one with a kid. If you're playing with Sesame Street characters, you can sing, you know, where, oh, where, oh, where is Elmo? And you've hidden Elmo under your leg or in the kid's shirt or behind the couch. You know, when you sing the song, you do little hand motions, you hold your hands out, you know, when you're singing it. That's fun to do. If mom has gone in the other room, you can sing that song with that. If you were seeing a child in a daycare and you find yourself the center of attention and the teacher has just kind of checked out and is going to let you see the whole darn class, <laughs> that's a song that I do all the time. I say, do you have a blanket or, you know, can you get me a towel? And we, I have the kids all sit in a little group around me and we sing that song with their friends' names. That's so fun to do in a little group setting like that. You can do that with siblings if it's out of control. If you have a three-year-old that you just think, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to say sometimes what I think about those (laughs) brothers and sisters. But if you need a way to really involve that kid in a session, sometimes singing a little song like that is a way to still have the kid involved with you and your little um, client there. So I use that song for everything, um, and it's it's a cute little cute little routine to do too. I play the night night game. Do you play oh, night night game where you think oh. pretend to sleep? Yeah, I certainly do. And I play it the same way every time. I say, "Oh, you want to play night night?" Shh, and we put our fingers to our lips and we say that, and then we pretend to you know put our heads on our hands like we're you know, going to lie down and sleep, and then I pretend to snore, and then I'll say, you want to wake up? And then we count one, two, three, and then I scream, wake up! 
you know, and do my hands all spastic-like, and kids think that is hysterical. And, again, you may see a child really start to imitate the actions and even go through that whole sequence, imitating all those actions well before you're going to hear a word with that. And that's how it's supposed to work. That's what this level stuff is all about. It's working through all of those things that come before you would actually hear that word. But when you play those kinds of games enough and say the same kinds of things enough, those are the words that you start to hear before you even really get imitations of other kinds of words for lots of kids, especially our kids that have auditory processing issues. I think verbal routines are even more important for those kinds of kids, kids that you know, you've identified the receptive language um, issues and you've been working on that. Sometimes it's even those kids that receptively, they get the basics. They can throw their diaper away and the sippy cup away and they know a ball and they know mommy and daddy and they might know a few little pictures or a few little objects but they have a really hard time when it gets beyond that. Our kids who can't follow a two-step command at all, they really cling to these verbal routines because they need them to understand how to play with you and how to participate. So those kinds of kids, uh, those jargony kinds of kids, usually that kind of goes hand in hand. They really like verbal routines, and you'll start to hear them really pick up a lot of those when you're playing. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yep. So, I think I didn't get just. Oh, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that a lot of times when I some of them I do automatically. Sometimes I think I launch into my routine verbal command stuff, whether it be a simple song or the we're aware or that stuff, because it helps engage kids a lot better. It kind of helps. Those kids, and so many of our kids' focus or attention is a problem, mm-hmm. and it kind of grabs them, just like our caller realized that for whatever reason her child likes when she does do-re-mi, and it really gets his attention. A lot of times music, even my really bad approximation of music, can be engaging. Sure. <laughs> so a lot of times that is when when I'm doing something and the kid's kind of watching, but he's not, you know, he's not smiling, he's not really that responsive, that's when I'll launch into my little related simple verse or song. or, And then they, you see them come to, you see them light up, you see them responding, you see them anticipating or participating a little more, and you think, okay, because that is where you want them, is with you. Right, so and you brought them really back. really help to... Even if you're introducing something that's somewhat novel to them, just using the same verbal routine kind of makes it a little familiar, and it helps Mm -hmm. them to pay better attention. It totally does. The... um I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. I probably have with the new book, Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers. There's a chapter at the end. It's a practical application chapter. And I take five really common toys and five really common daily routines and walk you through all eight levels using that particular toy so if or, or routine. So if we're talking about bath time, there are ideas for kids at level one, kids at level two, kids at level three. When you look at level six, which is automatic speech and verbal routines that we've been talking about tonight, there are several little ideas, four or five little ideas that you could teach mom and that you could um, use for coming up with your verbal routines. And so when you're doing these visits with parents, you say, hey, I've got some ideas for you for bath time, and I've got some ideas for you for snack time for uh, what would be a verbal routine for you to get going. And, again, for a lot of kids and a lot of parents, they're not really they – they don't automatically do these things in their daily routines. And so you want to really – Again, not just do it while you're there. You want to really provide those ideas so that moms and dads are able to carry those out during the week. And just like therapists, you know, we learn different ideas from each other. You know, goodness knows, sometimes, Kate, I forget what was my idea first or your idea first (laughs) because we've had these calls, you know, just personal calls for 
a long time with, you know, what do you say for that? What do you say for that? What's your idea for this? What's your idea for that? And so, but moms and dads don't have that benefit. They don't. They don't know these cute little routines. So you have to teach them and give them really specific things to say and do. And I find that parents love that and 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 love it when I can say, you know, this would be a cute idea as you're going to read a book tonight. Why don't you sing? Read a book, read a book, read a book, 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 read a book, read a book, read a book, book, book. And, you know, teach them some things that even if you think it's beneath them, <laughs> introduce it anyway. Talk about it anyway. You can't make them do it. You're not there to really you know, supervise them, but if you're not giving them the information, the idea, there's no way they can carry it out if they don't have that spark that you've uh, introduced anyway. So I wanted to be sure to get that in there. All right, we didn't have nearly as much time to talk about verbal routines as I thought we would tonight, and that's okay. Uh, Next week we're moving on to the next level, which finally we get to... Real words, single words. And, again, so many adults think this is where you start with kids who aren't talking. But we've spent a lot of weeks getting kids to the point that they are really developmentally ready to imitate single words. And so next week we're going to talk about all the little tricks that you can use um, to make that go a little easier. The first one being do all these other levels first, and then it will be easier because the kid will be there and be ready for that. So, Well, you know, Laura, I'll just point out the obvious or what seems obvious to us. I think that um, it's natural for parents to think, oh, they just start talking because with typically developing kids it does kind of seem that way. Right. And all of these levels just happen so easily for And simultaneously kids. sometimes, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's like, boom, they're imitating words, and now they're using words on their own. And, and you know, when kids have developmental delays for whatever um, reason, oftentimes it, it, it just isn't automatic, and you really have to stop and focus. And so for, you know, those kids, these little not little, but these things that you do and you've generated, I think are immensely helpful for parents and other other therapists to realize, oh, yeah, all those steps, what can we do so that they can make it through these and eventually get to the talking one? Right, exactly, exactly. So I'm hoping we can put the icing on the cake on the next couple of weeks and talk about... Um, things that make it easier for kids to imitate single words. And then the week after that, we'll talk about imitating short phrases. And then this series will be done. We may have another show or two in there to kind of tie up loose ends. But I do think it's really, really important information, and I'm hoping that we can um, help some kids get there faster than uh, by giving their therapist and their mommies and daddies a clearer plan and and better steps for working with them so that you're working on the right stuff in the right order with the right materials so hopefully those ideas will be um will come across oh they will all right that's all for this week thanks so much i hope you'll join us next week thanks thanks laura bye bye Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.